You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Circumstances. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today. It is my hope and prayer that this program will be of benefit to you. I've just finished reading the book entitled Against All Odds by Carrie Paulson, where she has written about her life from childhood to old age. One feature stands out and that's how much sickness she had to endure. As a child, she had a heart problem and was not expected to survive past 11 years of age. Later on, she had severe bouts of malaria and, worst of all, Addison's disease. All of these were extremely debilitating, especially the last one, which has had permanent effects. One thing kept cropping up in her story, And that was, although she suffered much, she kept telling herself to cut the garment according to the cloth. In other words, she could only do what she could according to the limitations she had. Secondly, she had a strong faith in the Lord and this trust in Him enabled her to realise God's strength, not hers, enabled her to overcome some of the serious obstacles she had to deal with. If you want to read something very inspirational, I recommend you read this book. It's called Against All Odds by Kari Paulson and is published by the Pacific Press Publishing Association. The edition I read was produced in February 2015. Kari has highlighted a number of things I'd like to share with you today. Born in Norway, Kari grew up in a dysfunctional home. As a child, she was subject to physical and verbal abuse by her father. In in the home, her parents often argued and home was not a place of refuge. Instead, It was a place of conflict and uncertainty. In her teen years, Kari embraced a vibrant new faith, which placed emphasis on a personal relationship with Christ. This faith was so much in contrast with the nominal Lutheran faith of her childhood, where people called themselves Lutheran, yet did not openly practice their religion. Church-going was limited to only a few times in a lifetime, yet anyone who chose to become part of another religious group was considered a rebel. As a teenager, Kari chose to become baptised as a Seventh-day Adventist, and immediately after announcing her decision, was kicked out of home. Tradition, rather than reason, prevailed within her home. Now, like Carrie, some of you have been subject to abuse of different kinds in your childhood and maybe since then. 
Some of you have entered into bad and difficult relationships where, you, where perhaps your partner has dominated and controlled you. Perhaps some of you have had to deal with chronic sickness or disease, financial difficulty, intolerance by others, persecution and or denial of your human rights. At this point, I want you to know that my heart goes out to you. Nobody should have to suffer those injustices. In my own situation, I feel very blessed to have been raised in a stable home, although there have been times since my childhood where there have been situations where I wondered what would become of me, just like Kari thought. Kari has brought out some very salient points in her book, and it's around this theme that I want to share with you today. She emphasises the fact that regardless of what happens to you, you have the choice about how you will deal with it. The Roman philosopher Epictetus also wrote about this where he said, It's not what happens to you that counts. It's how you react to it. So when you consider some of the situations and events that have shaped your life, those things may make you miserable, or on the other hand, you can consider them challenges that needed to be overcome. Kari freely admits that some of the situations she had to endure were, humanly speaking, unbearable. Yet she found solace and help in the Lord. Kari was very much like the Apostle Paul, who stated in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. So did the Apostle Paul have to endure sickness? Well, probably yes, because he referred to a thorn in the flesh that he asked the Lord to remove from him. God did not do that, but Paul acknowledged that God gave him the strength to endure. So what do you think that thorn in the flesh might have been? Well, some have suggested that Paul was a small man. Some have suggested that his eyesight was very poor, and others have suggested that he may have been partly lame. We don't know, because he never identified the permanent problem that dogged him for life, but we do know that Paul was imprisoned, stoned, shipwrecked, heckled, flogged, abused, wrongfully accused of starting riots, and treated unjustly, just like some of you have been. Did he dwell on the past and wallow in self-pity? The answer is no. Instead, he wrote, as recorded in Philippians 3, verses 10 to 14, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attain to the resurrection of the dead. 
Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on. That's a powerful statement. Despite all the setbacks in his life, things which would have knocked many people for six, Paul did not let those setbacks detract from the goal he had in his life. His goal, and my goal, and I hope your goal, is to spend eternity in the presence of our Lord, who himself had to endure many things in order to save us. Paul reiterates what he wrote in Philippians in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. Here he likens life to a race. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. What the Apostle Paul, Kari and Epictetus have to say is, don't let circumstances make you a victim. Instead, you become the master of the situation. Jesus had something to say on the same theme. You can read it in the Gospel of Matthew 5, verse 38b to verse 41. This is what he said. Do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. In our modern vernacular, the expression to go the second mile is quite common. It comes from the Bible, from the words of Jesus I just read to you. Again, it is about not being the victim of circumstances, but the master of them. And Jesus went on to say this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But isn't all this about being the master of circumstances, idealistic and unattainable? Well, no, not at all. Like Kari, Paul, Epictetus and Jesus, we need to cultivate a positive attitude and try to bring good from a bad situation. 
Have you ever heard of the Serenity Prayer? This prayer has become famous and is found on wall plaques, coffee mugs, etc. And this is what it says. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And further to that is a statement from the book Ministry of Healing by E.G. White who writes, Nothing tends more to promote health of body and soul than does a spirit of gratitude and praise. It is a positive duty to resist melancholy, discontented thoughts and feelings, as much as a duty as it is to pray. If we are heaven-bound, how can we go as a band of mourners, groaning and complaining all along the way to our Father's house? Curry admits that she, like the Apostle Paul, had this attitude. No matter what limitations we struggle with, there is hope for us in Christ. God does not bid us to overcome in our own strength. He asks us to come to his side. Whatever difficulties we labour under, which weigh down soul and body, he waits to make us free. So far, there are two important things I've endeavoured to share with you this mo- today. The first is to cultivate a positive attitude to everything life throws at us. The second is that we do not have to deal with difficult situations alone. We have a powerful helper in our Lord. Now we're going to stop here and go on straight afterwards.
man who walks in the darkness. I was lost and I searched for the Before the break, I was saying to you that there are two things that apply in difficult situations. The number one is the fact that we need to develop a positive attitude even when bad things happen to us. And the second thing is we don't have to deal with those difficult things alone. We have a powerful helper in the Lord. But now I want to be practical and make some suggestions about how you can develop a positive attitude. The first is to realise that you can control your attitude. You can dwell on the negatives, or you can look on the positives in any situation. The choice is yours. The second thing is to adopt beliefs that frame events in a positive way. And here's an example. Let's say someone you love dearly, a child perhaps, is involved in an accident and is hurt badly. Is there anything positive from such a circumstance? Well, yes, they're still alive. And if that person died, is there anything you could regard as positive from that? Again, yes, death would have ended their pain and suffering. Another example. Sometimes when I play golf with my mates, one of them produces some terrible shots and amasses a bad score. To his credit, he sometimes says to me, Oh well, it's not the score that matters. I'm out here looking at the grass from the top down instead of from the bottom up. Now, the third thing to help develop a positive attitude is to create a library of positive thoughts. This means being prepared when difficult situations come our way and have good, positive things in our minds to dwell on instead of the negatives that might come with the situation. In doing that, you're more likely to look on the bright side of life. But it's a good practice to already have things ready in your mind 
to be thoughts of peace rather than turmoil. Fourthly, it's a good practice to stay away from negatives. So often we expose ourselves to, say, news items about vandalism, theft, murder, attacks, conflicts of all kinds, let alone watching movies involving crime, abuse and other negativity. Of course, you might have heard of copycat crimes, where someone has watched a movie about a crime and then decided to do the same. That's a bad move. Instead, expose yourself to positives. The same advice is given in the Bible in Philippians 4.8 where it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, sports psychologists do this with their teams. Instead of mentioning the team weaknesses, they concentrate on the team's strengths so that the players think positively about themselves. So it is with us. It's, a, it's good to have a library of positive thoughts and strategies to deal with difficult situations when they come along. Fifthly, it is a good practice to develop positive attitudes by avoiding those people who are usually negative. Some people complain about almost everything and whine and whinge. Stay away from such people. They will drag you down. Instead, make friends with those who have a positive attitude to life. They will help to build you up. Sixthly, don't take yourself too seriously. It's good to have a sense of humour. When you look in the mirror and you're not too happy at what you see, pull a funny face at yourself and get on with your life. Yes, you might have heartaches, physical pain and so on, but you're not the only one. So if you can't change what you are or the situation you're in, accept it and go on regardless. Remember the serenity prayer? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The seventh thing you can do to develop a positive attitude is to adopt a positive vocabulary. Use words like can instead of can't, half full instead of half empty, and similar. Words and expression like this will help you to concentrate on positives. The eighth thing you can do to is to congratulate yourself when you've achieved something worthwhile. Don't be afraid to acknowledge your own achievements. Maybe you prepared a nice meal. Acknowledge it, even if others don't. You finished reading a book. That's a positive achievement. You completed a jigsaw, maybe, or an assignment, or negotiated a tricky winding road. Congratulate yourself for things that you've done well. The ninth practical thing that can be done to develop a positive attitude 
is to develop an attitude of gratitude. Be grateful when others do something nice for you. Be grateful for the beauty in the world amongst all the ugliness. Be grateful that you can hear even if the neighbour's dog barks too much. Be grateful for a roof over your head. Be grateful that there is a God who cares so very much for you, even though you may not be aware of his existence or presence. The tenth thing is to never accept it when someone tries to put you down and say you're good for nothing. Everyone has something that is worthwhile. Another significant thing that Carrie has highlighted in her life story is that we're not alone to deal with the problems we have to face. Here are some promises from the Bible from him who cannot and who does not lie. The first is from Matthew twenty-eight twenty. Surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Next is in 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares upon him, that's Christ, because he cares for you. And then we go to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My strength is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness, says the Lord. And one more. This was uttered by the prophet Jeremiah and found in Jeremiah 16:19. O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in time of distress. No, we're not, a lef- we're not left alone in this cruel world to fight all our battles by ourselves. God is there waiting for us for his, to ask for his help. But I want to warn you, don't be one of those people who only go to God when you're in trouble and ignore him when everything's going okay. Commit yourself and your ways to him. Reach out to him every day. Make him your confidant and praise him for the blessings he's already given you. Don't approach God as a stranger, but rather as a friend, and he will give you the strength to cope with those undesirable situations that crop up from time to time. Folks, I sincerely hope I've provided you with some practical help today, and if you would like me to pray for you, or if you would like to share what's troubling you, Don't be afraid to give our producer, Nick, a call and he will put me in touch with you. So, until next time then, this is Len wishing you God's blessing and peace and hope.